ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about black fathers. That's something I know a little bit about. (laughs) But we're going to talk about the role of the black father. We're going to talk about some of the obstacles and where we need to go as black fathers. And you don't necessarily have to be a black father to listen and enjoy this podcast. So sit back, relax. We'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm talking about black fathers. Uh, This is a topic that is, you know, very close to me because obviously, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I am a father uh, and I'm black. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's um, this one hits close to home. uh, Something that I think is very important. and, And in advance of Father's Day, which is at the time of this recording, um, about a month or so away, uh, I wanted to get on the podcast and talk about it. Uh, as I mentioned, you don't necessarily have to be a father to listen to this podcast because all of us have a father. Um, that is <laughs> without question. We all have a father. Now, whether or not your father is here with us on earth, whether or not your father played an active role in your life, uh, we all have a father. So uh, everyone can relate at least to that degree. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a father. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife and I, we have four children. Um, our oldest son is 18. Uh, the next one is 15. And then our youngest son is 11 and our daughter is six. So, you know, I'm a four time champion <laughs> when it comes to fathers. Uh, but you know, in seriousness, I think, um, I've often said that fatherhood is the most important and rewarding job that I'll ever have uh, is very satisfying and gratifying, but it's also a job that I cannot afford to, nor will I uh, fail at. Um, I got to get it right because I have, you know, four people who are totally unequivocally dependent upon me to get it right. Um, And, you know, I, I think, and I've said this on previous podcasts before, but, you know, the way that I viewed the world was one way before I became a father. And then after I became a father, you know, some 18, almost 19 years ago, uh, the world definitely changed or maybe the world always was what it was. And I just kind of viewed it differently. Once I became a father, um, I think part of how I've, you know, developed values and, you know, become the father that I have become is because of my relationship with my father. Uh, my father is, you know, still very much active in my life. He is, you know, hands down one of my best friends. And, you know, this year he'll, he'll be turning 72. And so, um, you know, that, that's my dude. And, and, and he, he I remember him telling me and my younger brother, um, you know, when we were kids, he said he would always tell us, 
you know, right now I'm your dad, but you know, the older you get, I'll be more like your best friend. And this is true. I mean, like I'm grown and I have my own family, but there's not one decision that I make, uh, you know, without talking to him about it. If I'm something I'm concerned about, I'll talk to him about it. If something I'm confused about, I'll talk to him about it. Um, and I don't know if he necessarily always has, uh, the best answer, but he always has the right answer, at least the right answer for me. And he never, is going to tell me or my brother something that we want to hear. He always tells us what we need to hear. And it's always been that way. Um, And so I think part of how we have developed such a great relationship, honestly spawned from the fact that he didn't have a great relationship with his father, my grandfather, um, who's passed away. Um, I think he passed away in 93. And so you know, they didn't have a great relationship. Uh, my grandparents split, I think when he, when my dad was like 15. Um, and so, you know, he was determined to have a relationship with his sons and he did. And, you know, we've been close ever since, since day one. Um, and I, he didn't have that relationship with his father. And I, it's kind of weird because I remember when, uh, when my grandfather passed, you know, my dad called me and I was in college at the time and he was like, you know, your grandfather passed. And um, I was like, wow, because I honestly, I'd only talked to my grandfather twice in my lifetime. I never seen him before. I mean, I've seen pictures, but, you know, didn't know him and, um, you know, always heard you know different things about him. Um, but it, to be honest, looking back on it, my dad didn't really talk about him a lot. And so when he told me that he passed, it was almost like, hey, you remember Earl from around the way? Yeah, he got shot. He got killed. Oh, man, it's messed up. Hey, what time are we going to the game? I mean, <laughs> it was literally like that. Like he told me that my grandfather passed and he was like, you know, moved on to the next subject. And, you know, it didn't it didn't feel like you would think it would felt if someone said, hey, my, my father died. Right. So, you know, that was their relationship. But, you know, one thing I learned from their relationship is that that's what spawned and made him determined to, you know, be. Uh, the father that he needed to be for me and my brother. Um, you know, my parents split when they, they got divorced when I was 14. When now, yeah, I think I was 13 going on 14. And um, they got divorced. And my dad subsequently, we subsequently remarried and my sister. Uh, now, you know, looking back on it, I mean, my dad my, and my mom split. Uh, I want to say that summer like June or something, June, maybe July, something like that. And then, you know, the following spring, my little sister was born. So, Hey, you do the math, you know what happened there. So, and even in that happening, that didn't necessarily change my views of him. And I think, you know, one of the things that we have to realize as black fathers is that in your kids' eyes, you're Superman, right? You know, you, they, it, I can't, speak on what happened between him and my mom because I you know that didn't really concern me or infidelity or anything like that I just know that hey they got divorced another child was born you do the math um (laughs) so and that happens it happens every day and you know that's something that you know was beyond my realm of control I love my sister to death and so we've moved on But um, one thing I noticed growing up, not just about my father, but all of my friends, fathers, like 
they were all there. Like my closest friends, my 10 closest friends, all of them have their fathers in their life. Um, I, my, at least my friends were growing up, you know, in, in my neighborhood and my friends from school. Um, when I got to college, some of my closest friends, I can only think of maybe one close friend um, who didn't have his father actively in his life. Um, but he had uncles and I, I really, I didn't really think about it back then, but now thinking back on it now, um, that's pretty amazing. And that really has, it really kind of speaks to how we have become who we are. We meaning me and my friends, how we become as men. Um, you know, I think that's mattered in our lives, given the fact that our fathers were there, uh, not to say that we couldn't have been something if, the, if our fathers weren't there, but I think it makes a difference. Um, one of the things my dad uh, told me that was very key uh, when I was uh, right before my son was born, my oldest son was born. Uh, he said, you know, there's three things you have to give your children. Love, discipline and an example to follow. Now, <laughs> love and discipline, you know, relatively speaking, should be pretty easy. Um, the third one, an example to follow. That's a little bit more difficult because, you know, we as men are flawed human beings, uh, black men in particular. I mean, we, we all have, we all make mistakes. Uh, we always don't get it right. We make mistakes. And then sometimes, you know, just like anything else, you know, it could be costly. And we're no different from anybody else, but, you know, it, it's it's tougher for black men. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you need me to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's definitely tougher out here for black men. That's just the way the world. I mean, we didn't ask to be in the situations that we're in as far as how we got to this country. I'm not going to give you guys a history lesson, but you already know what time it is. Um, nonetheless, again, we're supermen in our kids eyes. So, you know, at some point in time, your kids stop looking at you as Superman and realize that, hey, you know, you might be you you might be messed up. You you may not be all that you're supposed to be as a man uh, necessarily for your family. So that comes into play. Then you have the other side of the coin. Um, it was. I think it was I was very fortunate that even though my parents' marriage did not work, uh, you know, my father, he moved like to the other side of town. But me and my brother saw him every week. You know, it wasn't like we didn't see him. Um, sometimes things don't work out, obviously, between men and women. And, you know, the children are sometimes, the you know, caught in the crossfires, if you will. Um, and they did. And that's unfortunate because they don't ask to come. None of them ask. I've never seen one child that say, hey, I asked to come here. The children don't ask to come. You know, we bring children into this world. Um, and as black fathers, we have to do everything we can to love, guide and protect them. Um, no matter what happens between you and that woman, you have to make things work with you and the child. And. Hopefully, you know, the woman that you've created this child with uh, understands that and supports that. Uh, now, I know, 
there's a lot of things that can happen, a lot of intangibles that can happen, you know, when it deals with relationships. And, you know, sometimes people realize that they just aren't meant to be together. And unfortunately, that happens after the child is born Um, or maybe when the woman is pregnant. I don't know. Um, And that I blame both the father and the mother for, because obviously we all know if you don't know (laughs) anytime that you sleep with someone, there's a possibility that the person that you're sleeping with could become the father or mother of your child. That's a fact. And so you don't need me to give you any, uh, you know, lessons on that. But I will say this in understanding that you have to be very, very cautious and very, very, uh, knowledgeable as to who it is that you lay with and procreate with i mean that's it 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 sounds simple but that's just being honest i mean like we have to we have to be more selective um and that goes for all black fathers i think um now i will say this right there are a lot of myths about black fathers um One of the biggest myths I see is that, you know, there's the notion that black fathers aren't involved in their child's lives. That's BS. Most, the majority of the fathers that all of you who are listening know, they're involved with their children, with their child's lives. They're in their lives. Um, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that if there's anybody who's listening to this podcast and you don't know any fathers who any black fathers who aren't involved in their children's lives, please hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter, hit comment section, wherever. Um, that's a, a, a popular myth. Are there some? Of course, there are more than a handful. I mean, there's thousands of them. But. On the flip side of it, there's also situations where even if the father isn't involved with the child, no matter what the circumstances is with the mother, more often than not, the fathers are making an attempt to be there. Now, there's all kinds of intangibles. You know, I mean, maybe she moved on with another guy. Maybe he moved on with another woman. And, you know, there's some friction there. That happens. But again, Children don't ask to come here. So you have to be mindful of the fact that the decisions that you're making don't just involve you and that man or that woman. It involves your children. And so you don't want them to be caught in the crossfire of your bullshit, basically. Um, another myth. Uh, I see this all the time. One of the myths that I see is that people assume that fatherless men won't make good fathers. Uh, I, I don't buy that. I think there is a notion and there's a thought process to that. But at the end of the day, I think if you get yourself in a situation where the father isn't there, there has to be a male figure in any man's life, especially little black boys. There has to be some type of male figure in his life. And more often than not, there is, whether it be an uncle, a coach, a teacher, 
a preacher, some, you know, a mentor. There has to be some positive male figure. And, and a lot of times a young black boy will gravitate or a young black girl will gravitate toward those people. But yeah, I don't believe that. I think fathers, it, just because your dad wasn't there. And again, I feel fortunate and blessed because, yeah, I did have and do have a father who's always been there. You know, like I said, that's my right hand man. And and it wasn't until I got older and got around different people that I realized that everybody didn't have the same thing that I had. And then that made me appreciate my father a whole lot more. However, just because the father isn't there doesn't mean that you're going to be raising a young black man who will become a father and repeat the cycle. I don't think any man wants to repeat the cycle if his dad wasn't there more often than not he's telling himself when he becomes a father he's going to do it different he's not going to be like his father and i think that's very important to remember i don't think we should put people in boxes and think okay well that's the way that it's supposed to be no it's not just because your dad wasn't there doesn't mean that you're not going to be there more often than not you want to be there for your children. And more often than not, it does happen. So I don't I don't get caught up in the myths. I don't get caught up in the foolishness. I know, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're coming up on Father's Day. Uh, actually, we're coming up on Mother's Day. And, you know, at the time of this recording. So, you know, one of the weirdest things I see is people, you know, on social media wishing women happy Father's Day. Now, Listen, I understand that there are some women that out there who have some there's some black mothers. Let me pre, uh, preface this. There are some black mothers out there who have been mama, daddy, uncle, aunt, all rolled in one. I get it. But come on, man. You're not the father. There's only one father and whether or not the father's there again physically or if he's not there spiritually maybe he's gone maybe he passed away maybe he got killed. i don't know what the situation is but no you should never wish a woman happy fathers i mean happy you should never wish a woman happy father's day never because there's nobody that's going to wish a man happy mother's day and never should they i think you know what we have to remember is that you know it takes a lot to be a mother it takes a lot to be a father, but you're one or the other. Right. And again, I think that's part of, you know, some of the ills of social media. And <laughs> and I won't even get into that. Uh, I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial in the commercial. We hear from one of the one of my favorite black fathers of all time, James Evans. And on the other side, we'll uh, take some questions and wrap the podcast up. Sit tight. JJ! Ma, Dad, I thought y'all went to the movies. We was, but we changed our mind. What's going on here? Well, what you doing dressed like this? And Tyrone, Sylvester, why are you holding him? Well, like I told you, Ma, I'm going to this dance, and these are my escorts. So we all turn him loose. Hey, man, get out of the way. We got business with the warlord. Well, I don't give a damn who you got business with. 
My son ain't going to no gang fight. Junior, what the hell are you doing getting mixed up with a gang? Jay, you're in a gang? No, Ma, they chose me. I didn't choose them. This... I told y'all not to turn him loose. And I told you to get on, old man. <laughs> what do you think you're talking to that way? I'm mad, dog, dig it. Hit a Satan's Night's War Council. Is that supposed to be something big? You heard what I said. Mad dog, you don't get your hand out of my wife's face, I'm gonna slap a muzzle on you. And just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle, the 12 Kyle podcast. We're talking about black fathers. Uh, yo, man, shout out to James Evans. Uh, James, one of my favorite fathers of all time, man. That episode was the episode where JJ joined the gang and uh, Mad Dog shot him because he didn't go to the fight. Uh, that, that was hilarious. And Mad Dog obviously didn't have a strong black father in his life. Poor Mad Dog. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, um, as I mentioned before the break, uh, what I wanted to do was answer some questions. Uh, I am in a group on Facebook uh, for black fathers and um, I see a lot of stuff in the group. It's a phenomenal group. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, men are just we're, we're having conversations and vibing off of each other as far as ideas and things to do as far as black fatherhood. Um, I'll be honest. I read a lot of the stuff. I really don't answer because it's so so much, so many posts and stuff. I really don't have time, but I read a lot of stuff in there. And um, what I wanted to do was just answer some questions that I saw a couple months ago uh, in the um, in the group, and they're relatively easy questions. But I wanted to kind of bring it here and talk about it on the podcast, since this was the topic that I was going to talk about. Um, uh, the first question, uh, it says, what's a good age to start your introducing your daughter to the facts of life and the birds and bees? Whoo, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I, you know, what's weird. I, I, again, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, like my oldest is 18. He's in college and my youngest is my only daughter and she's six and she's in the first grade. Yeah, we spaced them out like that. (laughs) But, um, you know, that's a great question. I think I'll say this just how I operate. I think you start introducing it to them. I guess at an early age, I don't know if it necessarily has to be a particular age, um, you know, because kids are going to ask questions. Now, I don't mean like you need to sit down with them at seven and say, hey, the penis goes into the vagina. <laughs> no, you don't have to get that graphic. But I'll say this. You do need to, you know, kind of tell them some things, um, you know, as early as they're asking questions, I don't think that you necessarily have to sit a child down at nine or 10 and say, hey, this is what it is. But when they're asking questions or if they see something on TV, you those are perfect times to, you know, um, have conversations, because the reality is some kids are a little bit more mature than others. So they may be able to handle more, um, you know, it, like and I'll use my daughter as an example. She's six. So. No, I that's not something I, I don't think that I would need to be talking about her at six at eight or nine. 
probably, you know, uh, at least some type of introductory in- introduction, if you will, to the uh, to the topic. So, yeah, it, it's it's not um, it's it's uncomfortable. But I think if you find ways to broach the subject, whether it be, like I said, something that you see on TV, something that you hear or even if when they start having questions, um, don't duck the questions, because the thing is, is that uh, we live in a day and time where, you know, your child honestly is the click of a button from finding whatever they want to find. I mean, that's just being real. Uh, So you would much rather everything come from you as opposed to coming from, you know, in the streets, how we used to hear about it or on the Internet or whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, just depending on the child's age. But, you know, start talking to them early and it's never too early to, you know, start at least introducing or broaching the subject of it. It's a good question. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, this one says, I have two children with a woman who decided that she does not want to be with me. I have taken actions to make things work each time and been left with less than what I started with. I'm seeking advice. I just want to cut her out of my life at this point. It's too painful to care about someone who just doesn't really give a shit or as it seems as a result of this mess. Both of our living situations are in shambles. My kids, quote unquote, live with me, but she has custody. I've always been one to hold things down and I don't think she can handle it better than I can. But at the same time, I never signed up to do this alone. Any advice? (sighs) Um, Well, it sounds like you're really going to have to shoulder this. Uh, And it sounds like. You know, she is in a position where uh, the thing that kind of stood out to me is that he said that situations in shambles, they the kids live with him, but she has custody. Uh, you probably want to get custody because if she has custody, then they probably should be living with her. But I don't know what you know when he says shambles. I don't know what he means by her living situation. Maybe it's not you know feasible for them to live there. Um, I think you really have to focus in on you and your kids and what it is that you want to do, um, and move forward. Just knowing that you're going to have to co-parent with this woman, but, and it's not the end of the day, but at the end of the, but what you have to figure out is, is where you want to go and where you want to go with your kids. And when I say go, I don't necessarily mean somewhere physically, you just, where you want to go mentally and, have your kids with you um, and you want to make things as normal as possible with your kids because, you know, again, they're the byproduct of whatever did or did not happen in this relationship or marriage or whatever the case was. Um, you know, really. You and her not working out is actually cool. That's easier to understand how you co-parent and how you go forward. That's the difficult thing. And if she's not willing to communicate on about it, then I, my recommendation would just be to, you know, focus on you and the kids and where it is that you want to take them and, you know, set goals for yourself, set goals for them and where you want to see them as your collective unit and your family. Um, 
because at the end of the day, those those two children are the most important people. It ain't about you. It ain't about her. It ain't about her new man or who, whatever the case may be. It's all about those two kids. So you should treat it as such. That's a good question. I like that. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Here's one. I've never allowed my son nor his friends to sag their pants in my house. I feel that sagging the pants disrespects my wife, daughter and my home. As a result, my friends and his friends are, don't disrespect my house by sagging their pants. I can't understand how us as black men allow this behavior to go on in our houses. I encourage everyone to make this change. What do you think? Um, I'm not a fan of that sagging pants phenomenon, if you will. It, and, you know, it's it's really bad, man. I and you know what's what's really sad like i was in the store the other day picking up some some wings and this guy walks in his pants falling off his ass like i literally can see his drawers like literally <laughs> and he's got like his son with him and his son's got to be at least like three or four and his pants falling off his ass and i'm like really and so i'm gonna be honest it took everything in me not to say something to that brother you know because it's just i mean it that's not cool i don't understand now get a uh, granted i'm older than kids who dress like that but you know i was a kid <laughs> i don't want to sound old but yeah i was a kid once <laughs> uh and now nah, we we had other things that we did and no uh, we weren't putting tattoos on our face and neck and stuff like that and we weren't you know i don't know man it, it's that but it, in the question that he asked, you know, it was about, you know, disrespecting his wife and daughter and his home. But what about disrespecting himself? My thing is this. When you dress a certain way, you you send how no matter how you dress, you send off nonverbal communication about yourself. If I step out of my house and I've got on sweatpants and my sweatpants have like eight holes in them. And I've got on dirty white tennis shoes, which is should never happen. You should never have dirty white tennis shoes. But anyway, <laughs> I got on dirty white Air Force Ones and my hair's peasy and then my shirt's got a rip in it. I'm telling anybody that sets their eyes on my chocolate body that I don't care about myself. Right. I don't care. And that's not the message that you send because when you send a message that you don't care other people don't care either and as a black man we cannot afford this we really can't so the world already don't give a fuck we really can't put ourselves in even a deeper situation where they you know just walk right past us and one of the things that i uh i heard a lot growing up as a child and maybe it's because i grew up in the south i don't know um and i don't even know who said it i just heard it in my house over and over and over again i remember um <laughs> i was going out with uh some of my friends and um my uncle stopped me and uh he said nephew because uh, he called his nephew because he could it was he had so many nephews he couldn't remember all of our names so he just called his nephew he said nephew uh your shoes are untied i had some jordans on and he was like your shoes are untied and i was like yeah yeah i understand yeah I, I know uncle sonny um my um you know that's the style 
And he said, well, son, you need to tie up your shoes. I don't care what the style is, but you need to tie your shoes up. And I kind of looked like, really? Like, why should I tie my shoes? But, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to talk back to my uncle. I love my uncle. So I tied him. And when I stood up after I finished tying my shoes, he said, son, he said, when you step in the room, in steps the race. And that always stuck with me. When we step in a room, in steps the race. So meaning that we as black men, we carry ourselves and our people and our heritage wherever we go. So we can't go anywhere looking just any old kind of way. I'm on my sons all the time about looking presentable. You know, I'm not saying that you got to go out and be looking like GQ smooth, you know, Ebony Man cover or something like that. But, you know, you don't have to be on the cover of Jet Magazine or Ebony or whatever the case may be, but you will look presentable. Um, so it's about grooming. It's about how you look. You know, you can't, you know, you should never have on some dirty white tennis shoes. <laughs> never. That's a, that's That should never happen. But not only that, but again, more seriously, when you step in a room in steps the race and people will see black before they see anything else you have to represent the black man and that's what i tell my sons you have to represent the black man um great question all right last one here um let's see uh black men who are 35 and above in age that would be me <laughs> what advice would you give black men in their 20s who man um black men in their 20s here's my advice for black men in their 20s uh one of the first things i think you should do is make plans what i mean by that is really just sit down and plan with write goals write your short-term goals write your long-term goals that is so important. Um, I found just in my lifetime, the things that I wrote down, at least for me, were the things that I was able to accomplish. And I had it written right there in front of me and I would see it every day. And I'm not saying that you have to have a vision board, even though, even though I think vision boards are incredible. Um, but I think you need to make plans, make financial plans where do you want and it, it's got to be more than just i want to be making 150,000 by the time i'm 35 i mean who who wouldn't want to have that kind of goal but it's more than just making money you know what i'm saying especially for a black man it's more than just making money you want to put yourself in a situation where not only you're financially stable but put yourself in a situation where you're financially competent Meaning that you're making smart financial decisions, meaning that you're not running up, you know, credit and bills and stuff like that, because that stuff ultimately comes back to bite you. Um, and I think one of the other things I would say is, uh, you know, set a standard for, for the black men who are single in their 20s. <laughs> set a standard for the type of woman that you want. If it is your goal to become married and a father someday, say, I want this type of woman. Say it verbally. Write it down. Take a picture. It doesn't matter. But understand the type of woman that you want and seek that kind of woman. Um, and don't settle. I think a lot of times we tend to settle 
you know, in relationships and, and dating and things of that nature. Um, that's not that's not good. I think when we when we get to a point where we can, you know, move ourselves and position ourselves where we're not settling, things are so much better for us. Um, and just, you know, stay focused, stay focused on what it is that you want to do. Um, I would tell, you know, anybody, any black man in his 20s, you know, stay focused, stay involved, stay active, stay close with other black men, communicate with them, lift them up and, and, and get on them when they're, when they're, you know, doing something stupid, when they're not being involved and active in their child's life. I, th- those are things that I think especially young black men need to do. And then you will help yourself and help other brothers rise up because that's ultimately what we need to do as a people. Yo, (laughs) that's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.